Section 9 of A Treatise on Good Works. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Philip Nottis. A Treatise on Good Works by Martin Luther. Translated by Johann Michael Roy. Treatise 13 through 15. Where now are they who ask, what works are good, what they shall do, how they shall be religious? Yes, and where are they who say that when we preach of faith we shall neither teach nor do works? Does not this first commandment give us more work to do than any man can do? If a man were a thousand men, or all men, or all creatures, this commandment would yet ask enough of him, and more than enough, since he is commanded to live and walk at all times in faith and confidence toward God, to place such faith in no one else, and so to have only one, the true God, and none other. Now, since the being and nature of man cannot for an instant be without doing or not doing something, enduring or running away from something, for, as we see, life never rests, let him who will be pious and filled with good works begin and in all his life and works at all times exercise himself in his faith. Let him learn to do and leave undone all things in such continual faith, then he will find how much work he has to do, and how completely all things are included in faith, how he dare never grow idle, because his very idling must be the exercise and work of his faith. In brief, nothing can be in or about us, and nothing can happen to us, but that it must be good and meritorious if we believe as we ought that all things please god so says saint paul dear brethren all that ye do whether ye eat or drink do all in the name of jesus christ our lord now it cannot be done in this name except to be done in the faith likewise romans 7 we know that all things work together for good to the saints of God. Therefore, when some say that good works are forbidden, when we preach faith alone, it is as if I said to a sick man, if you had health, you would have the use of all your limbs, but without health, the works of all your limbs are nothing. And he wanted to infer that I had forbidden the works of all his limbs, whereas on the contrary, I meant that he must first have health, which will work all the works of all the members. So faith also must be in all the works of the master workman and captain, or they are nothing at all. 14. You might say, Why then do we have so many laws of the church and of the state and merry ceremonies of the church monastic houses, holy places, which urge and tempt men to good works, if faith does all these things through the first commandment? I answer, simply because we do not have all the faith, or do not heed it. 
If every man had faith, we would need no more laws, but every one would of himself at all times do good works, as his confidence in God teaches him. But now there are four kinds of men. The first, just mentioned, who need no law, of whom St. Paul says in 1 Timothy 1, The law is not made for a righteous man, that is, for the believer, but believers of themselves do what they know and can do, only because they firmly trust that God's favor and grace rests upon them in all things. The second class want to abuse this freedom, put a false confidence in it, and grow lazy, of whom St. Peter says in First Peter 2, Ye shall live as a free man, not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness. As if, he said, the freedom of faith does not permit sins, nor will it cover them, but it sets us free to do all manner of work and to endure all things as they happen to us, so that a man is not bound only to one work or to a few. So also St. Paul in Galatians 5, Use not your liberty for an occasion to the flesh. Such men must be urged by laws and hemmed in by teaching and exhortation. The third class are wicked men, always ready for sins. These must be constrained by spiritual and temporal laws, like wild horses and dogs, and where this does not help, they must be put to death by the worldly sword, as St. Paul says in Romans 13. The worldly ruler bears the sword and serves God with it, not as a terror to the good, but to the evil. The fourth class who are still lusty and childless in their understanding of faith and of the spiritual life, must be coaxed like young children and tempted with external, definite, and prescribed decorations, with reading, praying, fasting, singing, adorning of churches, organ playing, and such other things as are commanded and observed in monastic houses and churches, until they also learn to know the faith. Although there is a great danger here, when the rulers, as is now, alas, the case, busy themselves with and insist upon such ceremonies and external works as if they were the true works, and neglect faith, which they ought always to teach along with these works, just as a mother gives her child other food along with the milk, until the child can eat the strong food by itself. 15. Since then, we are not all alike. We must tolerate such people, share their observances and burdens, and not despise them, but teach them the true way of faith. So St. Paul teaches in Romans 14, Him that is weak in the faith receive ye to teach him, and so he did himself. 1 Corinthians 9 to them that are under the law, I became as under the law, although I was not under the law. And Christ, in Matthew 17, when he was asked to pay tribute, which he was not obliged to pay, argues with St. Peter whether the children of kings must give tribute, or only other people. 
St. Peter answers, Only other people. Christ said, Then are the children of kings free, notwithstanding, lest we should offend them. Go thou to the sea, and cast an hook, and take up the fish that first cometh up, and in his mouth thou shalt find a piece of money. Take that, and give it for me and thee. Hence, we shall see that all works and things are free to a Christian through his faith, and yet, because the others do not yet believe, he observes and bears with them what he is not obliged to do. But this he does freely, for he is certain that this is pleasing to God, and he does it willingly, accepts it as any other free work which comes to his hand without his choice, because he desires and seeks no more than that he may in his faith do works to please God. But since in this discourse we have undertaken to teach what righteous and good works are, and now speaking of the highest work, it is clear that we do not speak of the second, third, and fourth classes of men, but of the first, into whose likeness all the others are to grow, and until they do so, the first class must endure and instruct them. Therefore, we must not despise as if they were hopeless, these men of weak faith, who would greatly do right and learn, and yet cannot understand because of the ceremonies to which they cling. We must rather blame their ignorant, blind teachers, who have never taught them the faith, and have led them so deeply into works. They must be gently and gradually led back again to faith, and as a sick man is treated, and must be allowed for a time, for their conscience' sake, to cling to some works, and do them as necessary to salvation, so long as they rightly grasp the faith, lest, if we try to tear them out so suddenly, their weak consciences be quite shattered and confused, and retain neither faith nor works. But the hard head, who, hardened in their works, give no heed to what is said of faith, and fight against it, these we must, as Christ did and taught, let go their way, that the blind may lead the blind. End of section 9. Recording by Philip Nottis.